Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of March Madness Men's Basketball. I'm your host, Andy Katz, on this edition of our show. Going to look at the new coaches in their first year on the job. Going to rank them, top 10. Going to talk to Oklahoma's Porter Mosier, Chaka Smart from Marquette. And that scenario, to me, was the most fascinating because I always thought Porter Mosier was going to go to Marquette when that opened, when Steve Wojciechowski was relieved of his job. But Mosier was scooped up by Joe Castiglione, which allowed Shaka Smart to go from Texas to Marquette. And by the way, he did win the Big 12 tournament. So it's not like he didn't do anything. Now they lost Abilene Christian, which of course stung, and, and that might have made it untenable. But Marquette was clearly a great spot for him based on his past. And we're going to talk about that, why it's a great spot for him. But it also opened up for Drew Valentine to be the youngest head coach in the country, 30 years old, take over Loyola Chicago. And, you know, they've lost a couple games, Missouri State and Drake. But overall, they've got a great resume to where I think they're going to be in the tournament unless they completely fall flat. So you've got one domino affecting three different schools. And I would say so far, all got it right. And we'll talk about that and we'll look at my rankings. Um, Big picture, there are two openings right now, Louisville and Maryland in terms of the most significant openings, highest profile openings, and there'll be more, of course. I think it's an interesting debate about which one's better. Louisville fans aren't going to like hearing this. Louisville has a more tradition name, although you could challenge that too from Maryland's long history. Bigger arena. I would say comparable fan support when Maryland's good. But here's a big difference to me. Two differences, actually. Recruiting base, I think it's much better at Maryland, in the D.C. area, Baltimore, Virginia, up the eastern seaboard. I don't even think it's close. I mean, Louisville has this name, but you can't even compare the recruiting soil that Maryland sits among to Louisville. So that's a huge advantage for Maryland over Louisville. And two, the Big Ten versus the ACC. It's not close. While the ACC may have, you know, some more brand names with Duke and Carolina, the Big Ten has more money than the ACC, more resources, and ultimately, more teams are going to get in on a yearly basis out of the Big Ten and the ACC going forward. It's happened the last couple of years. I fully expect it to continue to happen. So this may shock people, but I think Maryland is a better job than Louisville. Louisville is still sort of climbing out of violations. Maryland had the one little blip of them. But I actually think Maryland's the better job. The general public may not feel that way, but I think if you really peel it back, Maryland is the better job. Now, who gets these jobs? Well, Louisville has already been used to some extent by Bruce Pearl and Auburn, the number one team in the country. He just got an eight-year extension. I never thought that he would go there. I don't think Baylor, Scott Drew will go to Louisville or Maryland. To be honest, if there's an opening where I could see Scott going to, it would be Kentucky, but that's not happening. So you're going to see maybe other coaches use this opening to their advantage. And that's exactly what happened with Auburn and Louisville. You know, Maryland, there's no natural fit. Ed Cooley's a name that gets bounced around a lot, but to me, with Ed, he's got a great thing going. Steve Napoleon just got the um, AD's job. He was assistant to Bob Driscoll. So, you know, he's got an a, a AD and a president who love him. 
now they're one of the better teams in the country. He doesn't have to go anywhere. He doesn't need the stress of a rebuild at either place. You know, Kevin Willard is a name that's bounced around at both places. Yeah, I could see it, but not necessarily saying it's going to definitely happen. Um, we'll wait and see who's hot. I mean, Kenny Payne makes the most sense at Louisville, no question, because played there, coached at Kentucky, knows the region, now he's in the NBA, well-liked. I mean, it would just make sense. So get it done if that's the case. It's with the Knicks now. And no one I don't think would even blink an eye if Kenny Payne was the guy in Louisville. I think he'd be fully endorsed by former coaches and those in the community. If it's not Kenny Payne, then it really is wide open. And in Maryland, it really could be wide open. You know, is it Andy Enfield from USC? I don't. I mean, there's so many different names that could go there, but I'm just telling you, it is a really, really, really good job. Really good job. Overall, before we get to our interviews, I'll just say that, you know, right now, Auburn and Gonzaga are the two best teams in the country. I would put Purdue right there. Kentucky played like the best team in the country at Kansas, 80-62 win, something we've never seen before. Someone to go in there just absolutely blitz Kansas in the Bill Self era. So a good Kentucky would be in that group. I still think a good Kansas is a good Duke. Duke, But these teams have obviously gone the other way. I mean, Kentucky lost Notre Dame. They just lost at Auburn. But the most consistent teams, clearly Auburn, Gonzaga. I think ultimately Purdue will be in that grouping. And I would not dismiss UCLA at all from this conversation. I think they're still going to be in the mix. But it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of weeks if there's separation in these respective conferences. Um, you know, Auburn versus Kentucky in the SEC tournament would be great. I think Purdue-Illinois rematch or rematches will be great because <laughs> uh, I think those are the two best teams, even though Wisconsin-Michigan State have had their moments. In the Big 12, ultimately, Baylor just lost to Alabama. Texas Tech has looked really good, and Texas is rising. I think any one of those four clearly could win the Big 12. Pac-12 is, as well as Arizona's played at times, UCLA beat them handily last week. I think it's UCLA's to lose. And a Villanova-Providence showdown in the Big East certainly will be one to watch as well. We're going to talk more about all this stuff in the coming weeks as we're hit February. So plenty to discuss. But let's get to the theme of this podcast, the new coaches in new places. And now joining me here on March Badness, Porter Mosier, the head coach of Oklahoma. And Porter, for this edition of our podcast, I want to look at some of the new coaches that have had great success. And I know we're just entering February, so there's still a long way to go. But to this point in the season overall, uh, and you've had to do this before, how would you sort of grade yourself about building, or not building because it was already built, but putting your own imprint on this program? I think every new coach will tell you the same thing. You, you're, you're constantly almost a daily anxiety because you feel like you have so far to go, so much to do. I feel that way. I do feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting a better headspace of just trying to take one day at a time. I think when you take over, especially nowadays with the transfer portal, when a lot of new coaches are taking over and they might only have three or four guys, there's just so much you're trying to get going. And I'm, I'm at this point now where I do feel like I'm, I, I just have this chopping wood mentality, man. It's one day at a time. We got we got a long way to go. Not satisfied. I mean, you get anxiety. There's so much because you're also facing programs where coaches have been there, like Scott and Bill, and just so long. They got such championship culture established. You know, last year, the guys that took over uh, almost impossible when you take over in a pandemic 
lot of coaches couldn't even join their teams until the fall if they took the jobs in the spring. This year, you had semi-normal summer, fall, and then bam, everyone's knocked back in December. What was it like to deal with that adversity, almost a PTSD-like feeling of, oh no, here we go again? It wasn't easy for all of us. Um, I remember being in the NCAA bubble there in Indianapolis for like 15 straight days, and like four days later, I'm on my way to Norman. And that hasn't stopped. And, uh, and you're putting together a team, and you're also doing it through Zoom. The re- recruiting through Zoom, all the coaches would tell you, was a, just a different kind of a challenge because you're not breaking bread with them on an official visit. You're not breaking bread on a home visit or going into a school and sitting with them and watching them live with your own eyes and getting a feel for them. So that, that was, that's difficult, and I hope we never go back there. But I think a lot of us in the, in the profession felt that that was something that was really difficult, having to sign a core of your team without meeting them personally and, and getting that feel for them face-to-face. So how did you do it? Well, we had to do it through Zoom. We couldn't go back out or have them campus visits until I think it was mid-June. So coaches that were getting the job in April, April, May, June, you went two, three months, you couldn't go do campus visits. And I think once the campus visits opened up again, it, it went back to somewhat normal recruiting process. But uh, that was a challenge. You just had to do it through Zoom. And, you know, you're trying to do as much uh, vetting as you can with people you know, talking to coaches and everything you can, but it's not its not an ideal world and all the coaches will tell you that. But dealing with COVID again this season, obviously not to the same degree, but what's that been like? You know, we've had a, a couple guys get shut down. We haven't fortunately had to miss games. That's been a fortunate thing for us. We haven't had to miss any games. We've had some guys miss, but it's, you know, you it is what it is. You know, you say that, but you, you got to next man up. You got to, you know, you got to fight through it. You know, everyone's in the same boat. It's not like you're sitting there going, it's unfair for us, but not for them. You just got to stay positive, keep going forward. And really it, when some guys have to play that haven't played as much, you know, next man up mentality with the whole team, but um, hopefully we'll get through it and never go back. But uh, yeah, we were back. There was a little deja vu. You know, for you, I thought your situation was clearly much different than others because A lot of times you take over a program and things have gone south or there's whatever issues. And I know you had to fill the roster, but things were good. It's a tournament team. What kind of pressure was that for you, knowing that you had to at least maintain it, let alone, you know, take it to another level, but don't let it drop because it had been consistent? Well, the thing that was good is that the, I mean, the Oklahoma Athletic Department, the leadership, the people, how Coach Kruger ran it. I mean, everything was, there's a certain way you do things here at Oklahoma. It starts with Joe Castiglione, our athletic director. And just, so that is, that was so good. I mean, just the support people, whether it's academically, our strength coach, there were so many things that are good. We just had to rebuild the roster. So we didn't have to rebuild this wheel of how everything operates. Man, this, this place is really phenomenal with that kind of uh, atmosphere and culture and the people, but we just had to rebuild a roster. And that was where the difficult part was, you know, cause the, you're not, you're rebuilding the roster when you're probably having the, the best conference that's been in a long, long time, top to bottom. And, you know, alumni wise, whether they've, you know, finished eligibility or not, but just the players, notably Trey Young, you didn't coach these guys, but they're critical to this program. How did you continue that kind of connection? Well, I've connected with all of them. And the cool thing about it is how much they love OU. I mean, I've talked to Buddy and Trey and Blake, and those guys, you know, love it. Stacy King, you know, I mean, he's <laughs> my Chicago ties with Stacy is the one. I mean, he's so passionate 
about, about this place. And we had a golf outing and brought a lot of former players back. And that's the thing about this place is that they love it. Uh, they wanted to do well. Um, you know, Trey's from Norman and he's built a house here and he's come back, works out the gym. Same with Buddy and Blake. And Blake helped us build an unbelievable strength facility. So these guys want it because they feel it's home. And uh, it's really cool that they see you see that passion they have. So I always thought that if Marquette opens, that was going to be for you. You go to Oklahoma. Shaka goes to Marquette. Drew Valentine replaces you. All three of you are going to be in the NCAA tournament. All three of you are having success. You think about how things have worked out, especially for your successor. And you know I'm a faithful guy. I just think God's got a plan. I mean, whatever you thought or not, I am where I'm supposed to be. You know, Shaka's where he's supposed to be. Drew's where, wherever it is, I, I think we all feel that way. And everyone's doing a great job. I mean, gosh darn, I've watched all those teams play. And I, I couldn't be happier with feeling that I'm, I'm, I'm where I'm meant to be right now. And uh, I said this in another article, I'm very, very lucky and blessed because I love where I came from and I love where I'm at. That's rare. That's rare. So I'm, I'm a lucky guy. And all I can think about is, is where, where, what I'm doing today and just so blessed to try to lead this program and, and get into that NCAA tournament and advance. And last two things, one on Drew, is, you know, when you leave somewhere, if you leave it on a high, you have pride in it. I mean, you built something pretty special at Loyola. What are your feelings seeing that he's been able to maintain it so far this season? I absolutely love it. I'm hanging on the different plays because, you know, it's all about the relationships with me and those players, you know, I'm so close with them and to watch them have the success and watch them just persevere and do some things and to hear their, you know, watch them after the highlights to it. So I absolutely love it. Drew's doing a phenomenal job. I mean, he's, it's a really hard spot that he was put in, but he was so ready for it. And man, he's done exceeded any expectation anybody had because you know what he's done he has looked such a calming influence on that he's looked way he looks way older and more veteran than he thinks he's probably dying inside he's probably dying inside but he's doing a great job and i, I root for those guys daily that whole loyola community and uh it's fun to watch him advance all right last thing you've always had a clean cut haircut yet on your team you've allowed the hair to flow why is that I've never been a guy that's restricted a haircut. I, I I love the personalities, but yeah, I mean, we we do. We got some. We got grows with the headband and the beard. You know, Jalen Hill, Elijah. We got some Bijan. Uh, I love it. It's all part of who they are. Man, I would never change that. And uh, I'm not going that direction because I'm not changing who I am. But man, I love people to be themselves and and uh, do that. We've got some great mix of personalities on our team, and and that's what's fun to coach. Port, I appreciate you doing a great job and thrilled for your success. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. Time for Katz Ranks here on March Madness with my top 10 new coaches this season. Let's start with number one, Tommy Lloyd from Arizona. He's in the pole position for National Coach of the Year. That's how good Tommy's been at Arizona. Talent was there, but he added to it. They got a chance to be a top two-line seed. That's phenomenal. They lose to UCLA, but they can still win the Pac-12. So he's at number one. Number two, a bit of a surprise because I don't think people saw this in the preseason. Mark Adams from Texas Tech. They've already knocked off Kansas at home without their two leading scorers. And then they won at Baylor. They also gave Kansas quite a scare in Lawrence. This is a Texas Tech team that's going to be a problem in the NCAA tournament. Mark Adams doing a great job. At three, Shaka Smart from Marquette. 
perfect placement for Shaka Smart. He had great success at VCU, and at Texas, look, he won the Big 12 tournament last year, but being in a basketball school, that's the spot for Shaka Smart. And look, Marquette, they're gonna be in the tournament, they're gonna get a good seed, beat Illinois, Providence, Seton Hall, won at Villanova. At four, TJ Otzelberger from Iowa State. He's put together transfers, a little bit of everything. They had a great start in their non-conference. And now, picked last, and Iowa State is going to be solidly in the NCAA tournament. Great job. At five, Mike Woodson from Indiana. Woodson came to Indiana and essentially has merged both errors. He's the first guy since Bob Knight to bring back the Knight people and embrace all the new Indiana fans getting Dane Fife on the staff, mainly recruiting Trace Jackson Davis to stay. Oh, and he beat Purdue, ending that nine-game slide, fans rushing the court. At six, Chris Beard. He's going to do great things in Texas, I have no doubt. He's connected with the students. That student-only game was a great idea. It's been mimicked elsewhere. They just This particular team needs time because there's so many transfers. But I have no doubt that Chris Beard will lead Texas to a Final Four during his tenure. I really believe that. At seven, Ben Johnson from Minnesota. The hire shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was. Former Minnesota assistant, former Xavier assistant, played a couple years at Minnesota, from Minnesota. Unbelievable non-conference. Won a tournament in Nashville, won at Mississippi State, won at Pitt, then won at Michigan. They've struggled, they're thin, they've had injuries, illnesses, but he's doing a great job. He's gotta be in the top 10. At number eight, Drew Valentine from Loyola, Chicago only 30 years old, takes over an experience program with all these players back. They expected to win, and they have. They're the team to beat in the Valley. They're going to be in the tournament, whether they win the Valley Conference Tournament or not. At nine, the coach he replaced, Porter Mosier at Oklahoma. Consistency is key to Oklahoma. Long Kruger had it. I think Porter Mosier can deliver on it. They'll be in the NCAA tournament. Not as consistent this season, but that's understandable. He's doing a great job. He's the right fit. At 10... Hubert Davis from North Carolina. Now, when they are good, they are really good. When they've been bad, they've been pretty bad. So they got to find that happy medium. And I think they will. But ultimately, he was the right guy for this job. He's an unbelievable human being. Loves Carolina. Loves Chapel Hill. And he's the kind of coach that's going to be there for a long time. Other new coaches that I think are putting their imprint on their program and will be just fine. Micah Shrewsbury from Penn State. Taking on his identity. Kim English at George Mason. He was ready for this. Big win at Maryland early in the season. You know, Ryan Odom at Utah State was sort of, whoa, he's going all the way up to Utah from UMBC, but he's got this program very competitive in the West. Speedy Claxton from Hofstra, former player. They won at Arkansas. Doing a great job now in the Colonial. And Wes Miller at Cincinnati. I love their toughness that he's brought to the Bearcat programs. Early win over Illinois. He'll be fine. Uh, you know, once again, another hire that didn't initially make sense, you would think, but I think he fits. So that's my top 10 new coaches so far this season. And joining me now here on March Madness, Shaka Smart. Uh, Shaka, no surprise that, um, you know, I think you're, and I'm not alone here, doing one of the greatest jobs of any of the new coaches uh, you guys overall have got great wins, great enthusiasm. You're playing the way you want to play. I'm just curious, when you got this job, 
What did you think the chances were that things would really turn out the way they have so far? Well, I think, you know, for anyone that got a job this past spring, it was uh, to be determined because there was so much up in the air with COVID. In fact, when we got here to Marquette, the vast majority of the players weren't even on campus. You know, they were, they were home doing school virtually. So I had to go, uh, you know, fly and visit them and sit down with their parents and find out if they were even going to come back. And then for us, the, the majority of the guys did not come back. So we only had three returning players really had to do a good job, you know, finding, you know, some guys in the transfer portal. And we were fortunate that three of the guys that signed with us at Texas decided to come here. And then the two guys that had signed here previously, Stevie Mitchell and Cam Jones, also uh, decided to come. And, and they've been great. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was interesting. The guys that took jobs the year before, I mean, they couldn't do anything uh, in, the, in 20 in the spring and summer. So you guys at least had a semi-normal summer, fall. And then you get knocked back, obviously, everyone did, in December. How prepared were you for that adversity? Because I know last year at Texas, you know, it hit you pretty hard when you had to deal with COVID. Yeah, um, more prepared uh, this year, obviously, than last year, just because, you know, having been through it before. Um, but, you know, there, I think there was a sense going into the season because the fall sports went so smoothly with no real cancellations that uh, basketball would go the same way. But, you know, everyone's just trying to do the best they can and adjust. Um, you know, over the holidays was really, really interesting, just trying to figure out what's the right thing to do uh, as the guys came back to campus. But, you know, knock on wood, you know, our guys have handled things really well. And, you know, hopefully we can move forward and, you know, be healthy the rest of the year. So, look, I've been very clear that you had success at Texas. You guys won the Big 12 tournament. So it's not like, oh, he needed to be at a basketball school, you know, from VCU and now to, to Marquette with the Texas in between. But what is it about Marquette that either has some parallels to VCU? I mean, I think it's obviously a much better job, more resources, bigger city. But what are aspects of that job that really did appeal to you? Well, I think the fact that uh, basketball is so incredibly central and important to the university, uh, that's a big part of it. And then Secondly, and this is obviously related, the fact that there's just incredible alignment here from the president of the university, Dr. Mike Lovell, to the board of trustees, to our athletic director, Bill Scholl, to our fans, our students. Everyone's really on the same page in terms of wanting to be great in basketball and also what it takes to be great. You know, those are two different things. Um, so it's a really good situation for uh, our coaching staff, for our families, uh, and we're really enjoying it so far. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you look back, I mean, like I said, you won the Big 12 tournament. You had success. In terms of recruiting, you know, you've recruited well at VCU, Texas, now even Marquette, and, and then the portal. What were you selling that you think has really worked in getting those transfers and keeping those guys that you had had committed? Our relationships. I think, you know, for us, that's our number one core value. Everybody talks about family, but everyone also does things differently. So for us, we spend a ton of time together. Anyone coming in here is going to know we're going to first and foremost work on your development as a person. And by the way, that's closely tied to your development as a player. Um, and, you know, we were fortunate to recruit some guys last spring that had th those same interests. They wanted to get better. They wanted to grow. They wanted to be part of something where relationships mattered. Uh, and now we're in the thick of the Big East, you know, schedule. Uh, it's a heck of a league. 
And, you know, our guys are just doing the best they can to go 1-0 in the next game. Yeah, look, there's no question. Big 12, Big 10, and Big East. Every year you can put them in one of the three orders. I believe this is me saying that the ACC slid down. What is it about the Big East, that grind, that you see some similarities of what you experience in the Big 12? I think the double round robin is a, is a big similarity. Um, you know, let's face it, in these two leagues, can't really duck anyone. You have to go to everyone's home floor. Uh, everyone's got to come to you. That's a big difference between, you know, like when I was an assistant at Clemson or Florida, you just didn't necessarily go to every place. So depending on how the schedule fell, it might work in your favor or work against you. You know, I think the Big East, similar to the Big 12 in terms of the quality of the coaching. You know, when I was coaching at Texas, you had Bill Self, you had Scott Drew, you had uh, Chris Beard, you had Bob Huggins. I mean, just go down the list. Well, now, you know, in this league, you got Jay Wright, uh, you got Ed Cooley, you know, you got a, a lot of coaches that are doing, doing a phenomenal job. I think the one difference, Andy, is the Big 12, at least in the time that I was there, probably had more pros, um, which, you know, from a talent standpoint, maybe puts you up a notch. Uh, but what that does mean, I think, for the Big East is most of the teams are going to be older because guys are staying a little bit longer, which, as we know, that can make you more of a, you know, seasoned, tough, gritty team. Shaka, how important is it that, I mean, we're all adults and we live our lives, but how important is it that you're back in your home state? Uh, it's great being close to my mom. That's the biggest advantage to me. I'm fortunate everywhere I've lived, I've really, really enjoyed it. There's been great people uh, literally at every stop. Uh, I don't get too caught up in the weather, so I'm fine with cold weather. Warm weather doesn't really matter. Uh, but the fact that, you know, my mom can get in the car and be here an hour or I can do the same and be to see her. That, that means everything. And uh, for my daughter, Zora, you know, to be around her grandma a lot more, that's a big deal. Hey, last thing, Shock, and I appreciate your time. You don't need to prove anything. But winning at Villanova in the Big East, you know, that says a lot. W what did that one win, you think, do for the greater Marquette community uh, in believing what you were obviously producing, selling, and everything with Marquette? Well, I think, to be honest with you, you know, that game for us was a really good kind of indication that if we follow our process, really good things can happen. And then secondly, I believe that wherever you are is the place to be. And, you know, that win, I think for our players, coaching staff, fans, all the folks that help support our program, you know, gave them that feeling, at least for that one night. Now it's our job to try to do it again. When you play in a league like this, you get a lot of opportunities. Uh, but obviously, there's only one Villanova with, with the, the dominance that they've shown over this league over the years. Awesome. Appreciate it, Shaka. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, man. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness Men's Basketball. Appreciate all your time and engagement. Our team at Bleacher Report, Turner Sports, NCAA.com, NCAA Digital, led by Abby Stoltz, uh, who's doing a great job with the podcast and the entire team. Michael Benzie, everyone involved. Appreciate all of your hard work. Uh, this weekend, we've got the first Duke-Carolina game of two. Uh, last time, Coach K will be at Chapel Hill as the head coach of Duke. Uh, what a run he has had, obviously, Hall of Famer. But just, I'm saying what a run he's had even at Chapel Hill. Classic games, regardless of venue, for Duke. 
at the Smith Center or, of course, at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So we're looking forward to that. Obviously, you would think that Duke would win because they are the better team. But we have learned over the years never to do so. The records don't matter when these two teams get together. And let's be honest. I mean, North Carolina needs a game like this. They've been, and I'm going to use Tom Izzo here, they've been consistently inconsistent. And Tom Izzo wasn't talking about North Carolina. He's just using that phrase, and I love it. But they could use a win over Duke for sure. Appreciate it. We will talk again next week. Thanks for listening, everyone.